Welcome to Always Real Talk. I'm Kwame Brown. We know that in the country there is a debate, and debate is, do we allow felons to vote? Uh, many of you have wit witnessed the 2020 Democratic presidential primary in which there was a debate. And in that debate, the question came up, should felons have the right to vote? I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Senator Bernie Sanders jumped right on it and said, yes, they should. Uh, and guess what? There was a young man in Washington, D.C., at-large council member Robert White. Robert White has took up this initiative and not only has he listened, but he has actually re responded by introducing legislation to allow uh, felons to vote that are D.C. residents. Robert White, welcome to Always Real Talk. Thanks for having me on, Kwame. Hey, good. Well, it's good to have you in it. I want to jump right in. You have led uh, this charge, uh, as many legislators uh, that sits on the city council has done. You are on this national issue. You are the first that say, hey, we're going to introduce this bill. I'm going to put it on my back. I'm going to articulate why it's important. Uh, but more importantly, I'm going to get something done and I'm going to get something passed. Why is this so important to you? So it's incredibly important, and I appreciate you focusing on it. And first of all, I want to give due credit to the returning citizens uh, who pushed this issue. They they brought it to me. The Commission on Reentry and Returning Citizens Affairs said this is a top priority. And as I researched this issue, really asking myself, when did incarcerated people lose the right to vote? Uh, what I found was incredibly disparaging and clearly discriminatory, which is that the majority of states that took away the right to vote from incarcerated people uh, did it during Jim Crow as a reaction to passage of the 14th Amendment and African-Americans getting the right to vote. So that's when we saw poll taxes, literacy tests, and, and disenfranchising incarcerated people as we were throwing tons and tons of black people in, into prison. But this vestige of Jim Crow has stuck with us. And so now we're, we're pulling it back, expanding our democracy and making sure that everybody has a voice and frankly, that people are accountable. I think we'll see better conditions in our prison, better supports for returning citizens if we re-enfranchise incarcerated people. Now, you know, there's some that there are two sides of this argument, right? That you heard the uh, presidential debate for the Democratic uh, presidential nominee and there was that was the defining moment and i think it started to get a lot of attention where some were not uh, concerned about how that's defined right and that is to say should everyone that's a felon be able to vote or should it be just for a select few defined by the legislator in your particular bill and hats off to you and, and getting all of your colleagues to pass this particular piece of legislation does it really uh, make a difference of what your crime is or what your felony is for, or is it all felons, no matter what, have the opportunity to vote if you are a D.C. resident? We don't make any exclusions because once you start making exclusions and determining who deserves to be a part of the democracy and who doesn't deserve to be part of the democracy, uh, you get into really uh, bad territory. And that's not something that I think we should be doing. Uh, if you are a citizen of voting age and registered to vote, you should be able uh, to vote. That is the way that it once was. That's the way that it should be again. But the other thing that we really have to kind of question ourselves about is what is the appropriate punishment for a crime? So folks think that losing your right to vote somehow is connected to punishment for, for your crime. No, that, that's why you're incarcerated. 
And when you're incarcerated, by the way, you don't lose most of your rights, certainly not most of your constitutional rights. You still have freedom of speech. You still have freedom to get married. You still have a right to counsel. And so why would you lose the most fundamental right in a democracy now because you are incarcerated? It, it really just doesn't make sense, nor is it democratic. Okay. And when you start to talk about your particular bill that's now, it's now law, is that correct? It is, it is. Okay. So I want people to people say, oh, it's a bill, it's a bill. No, no, it's not a bill. No, it, he he actually law. authored it, he wrote it, uh, he introduced it, he got it passed, and now it's law in the District of Columbia. And does that count for the November election? It does count for the November election. Uh, as you, you well know, it's going to take us some time to figure out administrative how we register people to vote who, who may not be registered to vote. Uh, so we won't have this perfect in November, but folks who are incarcerated will be able to register to vote and will be able to vote this November. Okay. And when you start to look at, uh, and that's, that's got to be, what feedback are you getting from uh, not only those that are or D.C. residents that are incarcerated that have felonies, from them, but what are you getting from their families and their loved ones? Are you, are you, are you getting an outpouring of support uh, and, and appreciation for what you've been able to accomplish? We actually are getting an outpouring of support. Folks are so excited uh, about being able to participate uh, in democracy, participate in elections. So we've heard more from formerly incarcerated people. We've heard from the families of currently incarcerated people. But but I will say, mostly from outside of D.C. and rural areas, yeah, I, I do hear some negative feedback. But as this conversation starts to take a national stage and people understand the history here, I, I think there will be a lot less negativity. There will always be some folks who just don't want to see, uh, you know, people of color or people who are incarcerated uh, participating in a real way. But most people across the United States, once they understand the history, I, I think will support this effort and support moving this effort to their state. Well, let me say this, you know, you people have been talking about this for a very, very long time. It's been a topic of discussion on so many campaigns, presidential, local, and uh, uh, national platforms. You, being the at-large council member in the District of Columbia, was able to bring that to fruition for those residents that live in the District of Columbia. You say it's not on the national spot stage. It's on a national stage. You've made it there. You've made history by being the, by leading the legislator to uh, pass this important uh, piece of legislation. It'll be very interesting uh, to see how that plays itself out in November. We shall soon see. So hats off to you. Uh, that's at-large council member Robert White. Look forward to having you come back again, talk about all the wonderful things that you're doing. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Good. It's always real talk. You know it's going to be real.